Last Sunday, we opened our hearts to the prophet of peace who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. On Friday, we went to the cross and we saw fear and hatred in a desperate attempt to destroy love and goodness. We saw the sky turn black. We saw the earth filled with darkness and it looked like all was lost. But today... Today that darkness is shattered by a brilliant light that fills our hearts and our world with hope. Today we gather with millions of people around the earth to celebrate a 2,000 year heritage of faith and hope and power. Because on this morning, around 2,000 years ago in a borrowed garden tomb in an obscure little corner of the world, something happened. Something mysterious. Something miraculous. Something incomprehensible. So much so that down through these centuries, people have tried to understand it, tried to explain it in various ways. Some people said Jesus died on the cross And then they buried him in the tomb. But during the night, robbers came and took his body away. Other people said somebody died on the cross, but it wasn't really Jesus. Other people said, well, it was really Jesus on the cross, but he didn't really die. They just thought he was dead. And then when they placed him in the cool dampness of the tomb, it resuscitated him. And he just got up and walked out. That's why the disciples kept seeing him after all of this took place. Other people said, well, it was really Jesus and he really died on the cross and he really was buried in the tomb, but what happened afterwards is explainable by the fact that he just had such a dominant personality that the disciples just kept thinking that they saw him and heard him. Quite frankly, we are in the spiritual lineage of those first believers so compelled by the hope that the resurrection represents in our lives that we've never had time to try to explain it away. So apprehended by the power and presence of the risen Christ in our lives that we've never needed to try to explain it away. It's very difficult to know exactly what happened on that first Easter morning. We can be sure that if the resurrection happened today, there would be at least one jogger in that garden with a phone cam, (laughs) and every detail would have been recorded, and it would have been flashed on every phone and computer and television screen around the world within minutes. When I try to understand exactly how the resurrection happened Nothing happens for me, but when I ask why the resurrection happened, my whole life changes because the resurrection is the central event, the central act of faith within Christianity. The four Gospels, they're just resurrection stories with long introductions. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Like those first believers, 
I am certain that the resurrection teaches us first about death. There is hardly a person in this room who because of AIDS or breast cancer or senseless violence or any number of other things is not familiar with untimely death. We have loved people and they have died. And each one of us is going to die. And there is a fear and a hesitancy and an uncertainty when we watch other people die. And when we think about our own deaths, we rage against the dying of the light. The ancients buried food and clothing and everyday utensils with their dead in an uncertain hope that death might not really be as final as it appeared to be. But because of this day, we have a certain hope. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's resounding yes to the deepest and most deeply felt hope of humankind. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's promise that you have already survived your own death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's assurance that you are right. You are right when your love for another person protests fiercely that death alone would be able to destroy the goodness and kindness and courage that you have known in them. We have lost friends. We have lost lovers. We have lost spouses. We have lost family members. More than most communities that gather to celebrate this day, we as a community have had to reach down very deep inside of ourselves to find a faith that would sustain us and to give us hope, and we have found it. We have found it in the faith that has been ours all along, an Easter faith, which never says that there is no finality to death. It just says that life cannot be conquered by death. An Easter faith which says death is not a dead end, it is a doorway. It is not an ending, it is a beginning. Death is not life being taken away. Death is life being changed. Changed from the temporal to the eternal. Changed from the provisional to the permanent. Easter promises us that there is a dignity. There is a nobility. There is a sacredness to human life and personality which just cannot be contained in one brief journey on this earth. Nor can they be destroyed just because these wonderful bodies are no longer able to sustain the biological functions of life. I have to admit to you that it's pretty easy for me to stand here and preach a sermon filled with the power and hope of Easter on this glorious Easter Sunday morning and in this beautiful church with these colorful butterflies surrounding us inspired by that glorious music and surrounded by a people of great faith. But the difficult sermons 
are the ones we have to preach every day, even when our Easter faith is being tested, even when we are watching a loved one slipping toward the end of life, even when we are told that we may never be well again, even when weeks and months after a funeral, the loneliness still feels impossible to bear. These are the Easter sermons that count the most, and they are being preached with extraordinary grace and courage by otherwise ordinary people all around us every day, just because of this day. God rolled that great stone away on the first Easter and a victorious Christ stepped out to say, Do not fear death. It is not what it appears to be. Death is a liar. Death is an imposter. Death does not have the power that it claims to have because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so first of all, Easter teaches us about death, that because of the great faithfulness of Jesus Christ, because of the great power of God, the great stone of eternal death has been rolled away from our futures, the great stone of helplessness and despair has been rolled away from our hearts forever. But resurrection teaches us at least as much about life as it does about death. Resurrection assures me that it's not just God's will that we survive death. It's God's will that we survive life. You know, it is often said that life is a gift from God. And if that's true, there are a lot of people at risk of returning that gift unopened. The absence of Jesus from the tomb signals the presence of the risen Christ in our lives. A power and presence which says to us, you may live now. And not just live, but live with the confidence and boldness of knowing that not only can you have victory over death, but you may also have victory in life. Out in the country near where my partner and I live, There's a tiny little church. I drive by it all the time. I remember driving by it four or five years ago, and there was a banner up between two trees in front of the church. And the banner said, come to our revival meeting Saturday night. The blind will see, the lame will walk, and the dead will be raised. I've always regretted that I didn't go back that Saturday night. (laughs) Because I have to tell you, I've been preaching for 48 years, but I have never literally seen a dead person come back to life. But in my 36 years in MCC, I have seen resurrection. I have seen people who spent their entire lives lying and hiding and denying who they were 
suddenly stand up and step up and talk to their families and talk to their friends and talk to their bosses and talk to their churches and celebrate their lives and celebrate their loves. And that is the resurrection of truth. I have seen people whose lives have been shattered by broken relationships, relationships broken with their families and with partners and with friends. I have seen those people somehow find the courage to rise up above their own pain and their own confusion and their own brokenheartedness and somehow be able to trust again and care again and commit themselves to someone again, and that is the resurrection of love. I have seen men, and especially women, who have felt the hand of God on their lives, their entire lives, calling them into Christian ministry, disillusioned by having their gifts and their calling denied and belittled and rejected and disvalued by the churches of their youth, come into MCC and find a place of service in this church that gave their lives hope and meaning that they had stopped even daring to think that they would ever find again. And that is the resurrection of faith. I've seen people come into our churches dead in their souls, lifeless in self-esteem, bereft of spirit. I've seen them come back to life in the light of God's love and then reach out to share that love with other people, and that is the resurrection of hope. Because the power that raised Jesus from the dead is a power that takes everything that intimidates us or constrains us or restricts us and gives it a Christian burial before it starts stinking so that everything that is life-giving and soul-building can be born in us. You don't have to die to experience resurrection. The power of God that lifts your spirit above daily deaths when you don't think you can go on another day, but somehow you do, that's resurrection. The power to keep on believing in the goodness of life even when your own life is being vilified in God's name, that is resurrection. The power of God that raises within the most abused and battered life a belief that destructive cycles and addictions can be broken and that the past can be forgiven or healed or redeemed, that is resurrection. The power of God that convinces a people who have been separated from respectability and alienated from each other that they can overcome all of those obstacles and create a church where loving God and respecting themselves and each other and serving the world is more important than being victims? Yes. That is resurrection. Yes. The power that lets you stand alone if you have to in the truth of your own life and value that truth more than a thousand condemnations that is resurrection. 
This is the power that called Lazarus from the tomb. But that was not the first time that voice was heard. When the Hebrew people were in slavery in Egypt, God spoke through Moses and said, Egypt is a limiting and deadly place, and I want you to come out of there. I want you to come over here to freedom and to a promised land. And so when Jesus was lying in that stone-cold tomb, the voice of God spoke and said, that place is about death, and it is too small for you. I want you to come out of there to glory and to power and to eternal light. But that was not the last time that voice was heard either, because in 50 days we're going to celebrate Pentecost the day when the followers of Jesus locked themselves into a little room, guilty and afraid that his enemies would find them and crucify them too. But the voice of God shook the foundation of that little house built on fear and guilt. And God said, you may be able to hide from them, but I know you're in there. And how are you going to preach the truth in there? I want you to come out of there. I want you in the streets bearing witness to the truth that will set the creation free. And on this Easter morning, the voice of God speaks to each one of us and says, whatever you do, don't return this gift unopened. So the message of this day is clearer than the message of any other. It is live. Live because the love of God has already overcome everything that evil could raise up against you. Live because Christ lives in you. Live because there is nothing in life or death for you to be afraid of. Live because in the depth of God's love, and in the resurrection of God's Christ, victory over death and victory in life are already yours. Amen. Amen.